and welcome to the Wine It Up a Notch podcast, a podcast where we talk about wine, life, and everything in between. Welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. I'm so thrilled that you've chosen to spend some time with me today. Thank you for doing that. Well, today I'm at home with a sick kid, so I'm hiding in my room hoping that they will give me enough time to get through this episode. My daughter woke up the other day and was all sniffly and she's congested and she's not able to get out and do anything. And last week my son was sick, so it's been a heck of a couple days, but I definitely wanted to make sure that I recorded a podcast episode stuck to my commitment. I'm so happy to have made it to episode 16 and just really want to thank you for joining me on this journey and listening in. I hope that you're finding these episodes uh, enjoyable, that you're learning something as you're going along. And if there's any suggestions that you have, of course, send them my way. If you have missed some episodes, you can go back and have a listen. As I mentioned, we're now on episode 16, so there's lots of content for you to listen to. And as I record these, I'm getting you know, more and more ideas about what I could be covering. And I've been pulling ideas from my social media accounts and followings as well. And one of the things that came to mind was that it might make sense to get a little bit more into some of the basics around tasting wine. And let me explain how this came up. So I did a TikTok actually, where I did a really simple sort of lesson, if you will, on tasting wine. And this came up because I had been out and Wherever I go, it seems to be a party trick these days for people to ask me, you know, what do I taste in the wine and compare it to what they taste? And I was explaining what I was tasting and someone offered some tasting notes and they were pretty far off given what the wine was, uh, but they also seemed super concerned about, you know, what I was tasting in the wine and whether they were tasting the same thing. So first and foremost, let me say, you don't need to taste or smell what someone else does, no matter what their level of expertise or knowledge is or isn't. Wine tasting is a very personalized experience. So we all have our own palates, our own sensory sort of levels of adaptation and evaluation, and even our own lived experiences. So oftentimes two people, even if they're equally qualified, are going to find different notes in a wine. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. But that notwithstanding, there are some basic frameworks to know that will help you if you are trying to get a little bit better at tasting wine and describing it, or just feel a little bit more comfortable when you're doing that. And some of these things are kind of fundamental truths. So that was what spurred on the little snippet that I did on social media. And I got a lot of feedback with people saying, hey, I really appreciate that you broke down some of the basics for me. So I thought I'd do it on the podcast too. I hope you find this enjoyable and uh, somewhat helpful For some people, this is going to be very rudimentary, so this might not be the podcast episode for you if you understand wine lexicons and tasting and describing wine extremely well, because we're going to keep it basic here. But you know what? I would say that it took me a really long time to understand some of these things. So I suspect most people will get a little bit of value out of this, even if you've been tasting and drinking wine for a long time and trying to describe it. There's always something that you can pick up from understanding structural ways in which people approach tasting wine and why do some wine professionals always come up with the same notes. I know when I was first starting my wine journey and I really wanted to be good at tasting and describing wine, I used to get a little frustrated because I would find that other people would come up with these amazing ways of describing wine and it was often very consistent if they were wine professionals and yet I always seemed to be missing the mark. And it wasn't until I started to get into more formal wine studies that I came to understand that in fact There are formal wine grids, or let's call them wine evaluation grids, or tasting 
um, lexicons that help you to refine and develop your palate as a wine professional. And that is why a lot of people who have formal education in wine do tend to approach the evaluation, description, and writing about wine in a certain way. And they will often use similar, though not exactly the same, descriptors for a wine. So let me go back to the basic point here, which is that no two people will have the exact same experience with a wine. Having said that, it is often the case that you'll notice that people who are trained in wines do have a certain similar approach. They do tend to pick up roughly the same notes and they do tend to use roughly the same descriptors. And that's what I'm saying is for a reason. There is actually a prescriptive way in which you can learn to look at taste and describe wine that would get you sort of at that same level if you're interested. And that's some of what I'd like to break down for you today. But as I said, this is going to be a basic lesson. So don't expect too much. We're going to go through this slowly and over a couple of podcast episodes so that hopefully slowly in small snippets, you can start to build some of your knowledge and confidence around doing the tasting, describing and writing about wine, if that's something that you're interested in doing. Now, I find that for most people, they're not going to want to be at a level that wine professionals are at. That's sort of fun to watch and listen to, but it's not something that a lot of people ascribe to. But having said that, I do think that most people who enjoy wine do want to be able to describe what they're tasting. So building confidence around that can be very helpful when you're in a corporate setting, say you're at a party, you might be with friends, or you might actually be at a winery and you just want to feel comfortable with what you're saying. So the first thing that I would encourage anybody to do, and what I'm going to focus in on this particular podcast episode, is looking at a wine and let's bypass what you see and what you smell, but let's go to what you may taste. And really, I think the first indicator of what you're going to potentially be tasting is actually the color of the wine. What do I mean by that? So if you have a white wine, there are certain characteristics that are going to come up in a white wine that you are not going to find in a red wine. And similarly, so if you're looking at a red wine, there are certain characteristics that will come up in a red wine that you're not going to find in a white wine. And to go through this, uh, if you want to know what the reference point is, I'm actually trained by the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, the WSET program out of London. Uh, I'm now about to start my level four, which is the diploma. It's the highest level that they offer. And so I use their sort of standardized approach to tasting. They have a grid to put together my tasting notes. It's really become, you know, like a second memory to me. And that's what I'll be taking you through. There are other grids and evaluation criteria that some other schools for wine do teach. For example, sommeliers have their own way of approaching wine tasting. Having said that though, this general idea of what is in a white wine versus what is in a red wine and those two things being different are pretty much standard across both. And I, I think that's why that's a good place to start. So let's start with what may be common in both a red and a white wine, and that is floral notes. So one thing you can always look for are floral notes. You will often in both white and red wines be able to pick up some sort of a floral note. Now that doesn't always mean that the floral note will be pronounced or that the wine is absolutely going to have a floral note, but that's a really great place to start in your mind is to say, do I smell anything floral in this wine? And this is where color can be helpful. So if you're looking at a white wine, you're more likely to get what I would consider to be 
white all the way through to amber flowers. So if we're talking about jasmine, we may be talking about elderflower or blossom, maybe even a little bit of honeysuckle, uh, but those lighter kind of floral notes. The white color of the wine to me is a good indicator that I'm probably going to be getting some lighter floral notes in the wine. Again, there's no hard rules, but that is a good place to start. Whereas if you flip to a red wine, in a red wine, you're going to be getting deeper floral notes. So you may still get some jasmine because I do consider jasmine to be quite a floral, quite an aromatic flower. It can be quite strong, but you're moving more into say roses, violets. You might be moving into like red geranium. So uh, more strongly perfumed and more red to purple hued flowers. So there is uh, a great place to start is do I smell any florals and is this wine white or red? And that may give you a little bit of a hint. The second thing is around the fruits that you're going to be getting out of a wine. So once you've gone through, you know, do I smell or detect or taste any floral notes? The next thing to move to is really fruit. And here I do think the color of the wine, again, is a great indicator of the type of fruits you're likely going to get from the wine. Now, if you are looking at a white wine, it's likely that you're going to get more green, citrus, stone, or tropical fruit notes. And those are in that order exactly. So a less ripe wine, a wine that is more crisp, uh, doesn't have a lot of oak treatment perhaps, and is fairly, uh, you know, high acid in your mouth, you're probably going to be getting more green and citrus fruit notes. Whereas as you move to white wines from a warmer climate, made from riper fruit, maybe treated a little bit more by the winemaker, you'll start moving into riper citrus fruit notes, stone fruit, and tropical fruit. Now, if you think about the colors of these fruits, they're never, you know, red, um, other than perhaps a pink grapefruit, uh, which again, I don't think you're going to get a lot of pink grapefruit in a white wine. Most of the things that we're talking about tend to be lighter in color. So in terms of green fruits, you know, you could look for apples, pears, gooseberries, sorry, um, grapes. You could look for the ranges of apples. So you might get red apple, green apple, yellow apple. Uh, when we're talking about citrus fruits, you'd be looking for orange flavors, lemon, lime, um, grapefruit, maybe even a little bit of kiwi. When you're talking about stone fruit, we're looking at anything that has a pit. So peaches, apricots, nectarines, and tropical fruits are all the wonderful things we think about when we go to beautiful tropical locations on vacation, such as banana, lychee, mango, passion fruit, pineapple, uh, guava, the list sort of goes on. Now, all of those fruits in terms of their color, other than, you know, perhaps mango and orange, but even those, they, they're, you know, lighter in color as compared to the fruits that you will be picking up in a red wine. So when you are trying a red wine, that red is a great indicator of the fruits that you could be looking to detect and describe. Starting with things like, you know, the berries. So cranberries, raspberries, strawberries, cherries, that's a great place to start in terms of a red wine. Plums are also a note that you can often get. And the one thing to think about is there are variations in fruit. So some fruits, for example, cherries can come from 
you know, a very ripe, bright red cherry all the way through to a black cherry. Same thing with plums. You can get a bright red plum all the way through to a deep, dark black plum. And so that is a gradient of flavor that you'll also find in wines when you're describing them. So there's the red fruit. So you might say, you know, I taste red currant, red cherry, uh, ripe red raspberries and strawberries. But then you can also move in some wines into more of a black fruit profile where you may get black currant, blackberry, blueberry, dark ripe black cherries or black plums. And those changes in a red wine are very much dependent on the grape often and the region in which the wine is being produced. Uh, so the temperatures that the grapes are being grown under and how ripe that fruit gets. Also, some winemaking can go into that, whether the winemaker is manipulating the wine in some way, you know, artistically doing something to it or, you know, on purpose trying to manipulate it in some way to get a, a specific profile. Um, but what I wanted to say there is that you're really not going to detect red and black fruits in a white wine. And similarly, especially when we're talking about green fruit, you're not going to get apples, peris, gooseberries, that sort of thing, even bananas, very much in a red wine. Like I said, there's never any hard and fast rules. So I'd hate for someone to say, oh, you got that totally wrong. You know, I was having a wine once and I got some tropical fruits and it was a red wine. It's not impossible. And obviously across various wine styles and across a huge part of the world in which we grow wine in all these various climatic and terroir driven conditions, anything is subject to, you know, um, variation on a theme and nuance. But as a general rule, hopefully that gives you a starting point of a grid and a lexicon to work with. So let's just review what we covered in this episode, because I don't want to overwhelm you with too much information. I want to keep this easy to understand and most importantly, easy to implement. So the first thing to keep in mind is that the color of a wine can give you a really great indication of where to start in terms of describing a wine. So start by looking at the color, not to describe the color, not to describe the clarity. We'll talk about those things at another point, but really to start to calibrate your mind as to what are some of the wine flavors that you may detect in that wine. Then start with thinking about whether you detect any floral notes, either on the nose or when you taste the wine. And I should point out at this point that often what you taste in a wine is actually, in fact, driven by your your sense of smell. Uh, it's your sense of smell that actually tells you that you're, quote unquote, tasting something. So start with floral notes. In terms of floral notes, think about the range of florals that we see in the world the lighter colored florals are more often what you're going to detect in a white wine, whereas the darker, more berry red, you know, darker colored florals are what you're going to detect in a red wine. And then we move to fruit. And so in terms of fruit, when you're talking about a white wine, think about green fruits, citrus fruits, stone fruits, and tropical fruits. Those are highly associated with white wines as a starting point with green and citrus fruit being on the less ripe side. So if you're looking at a wine that's lighter in color from a cooler climate, from certain grapes that are known to be higher in acidity, you're going to tend to find a lot more green and citrus fruit notes versus those stone and tropical fruit notes, which start to come out in fruit that is riper in wines that are from warmer climates and in certain grapes that are known to be more aromatic or more fuller. And then when you're looking at a red wine and wanting to describe a red wine, 
When you're thinking about the fruit, really think about those red and black fruits as your starting point. Sometimes the color of a wine can give you a great starting point in terms of an indicator as well as to whether it's going to be more, you know, light red fruited. Is it going to be more black or blue fruited because of the color of the wine? If there's a really dark red wine in front of you, that's likely to have darker fruit notes that are, you know, dark red, purple, blue, or black uh, in profile. Now there's more to go through. Uh, there's also things like herbal notes, spice notes, the level of ripeness and things like salinity and, you know, whether there's a flintiness, but I'll cover that in the next podcast episode. I don't want to overwhelm anybody. As I said, I just want this to be a starting point. And if you want to know more, you can always look up the WSET level three or four wine lexicon. It is available online and I'll link it in the show notes. I will also link my own personalized template for tasting and describing wines, which you can find on my website, but I'll link it in the show notes. And some of this information will be present there too. If you found this interesting, I would really encourage you the next time you try a wine to try to think about some of these things and just start to categorize in your mind what you may find in the wine before you taste it. And then try to see if that aligns with what you find when you actually taste it. And I'm sure that you'll find that you will find some similarities between color and what you're finding in the wine in terms of fruit and floral. And that will help you enjoy your wine a little bit more, either by yourself or in social settings, which is my aim with today's episode. And with that, I'll bring this to a close. I hope you've learned a little bit today and I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm wishing you lots of peace, love and light. And of course, great wine. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Wine It Up a Notch podcast. I hope you're enjoying the podcast thus far. Be sure to hit subscribe to be notified of future episodes or leave a review to let me know what you think. Take care.